Salutations, listeners. Si Valas Vallejo. Nanu Nanu. Valamagulis. A lot over there. We are never going to get that right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mark getting us off, uh, off track here. Off on the left foot. Yeah, but sometimes the left foot is better than the right foot. My left foot is. I mean, depends on which one has the Morton's toe. Also, <laughs> oh. you know, before you jump into the uh, the intro here, I wanted to to make a mention. The, the Morton's toe is actually a condition and not so much the specific toe. I, I I came away from our last podcast session believing that um that the Morton's toe was actually the identifying you know word for that toe, but it's a condition where the toe is longer. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Yeah, I didn't catch that. Oh, okay, okay. But uh, yeah, no, I... no, I would have called it, just called it out of the pointer toe or some shit. No, yes. it's 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 like the people out there who have a a pointer toe that pointer is longer toe. than their yeah. big toe. Yeah. So you know, I'm sorry, well, listeners. You know, maybe you were misled just as I was. Which I found that out. I thought, like, the big toe was supposed to be the biggest and then, like, gradually get shorter from there. And then I found myself in a patch of people that had the Morton's toe when I was, like, a, a ute. When I was a, a coming of age. And no. I then I started to question whether or not, like, sort of the normal toe pattern was largest to smallest. And then as I got older, I was like, oh, no, no. Oh, no, no, no. It's definitely supposed to be, like, largest to smallest, well, and I just happen to wander into a patch of Morton toes. Well, bunch Morton, of Mortoners. Mortoner right here. Okay, uh, so <laughs> that's a quick Morton ad. Yeah, a little, little detour there. You know. uh, thank you for tuning in, listeners. This is Three Men and a Basement, and we are the Ultra Crepidarians. My name is Colin McLeod. Mark Culpier. Action Jackson. And in this podcast, we review movies. Yes, we do. We deliver to you, the listener, an average schmuck's opinion about hidden gems in the wide world of cinema. Uh, in this show, we try and target movies that are not uh, absolute blockbuster smashes. Uh, we also try and target ones that are not so obscure that you couldn't get your hands on a copy if you wanted to. Instead, we try to aim for those types of movies that uh, are right in the middle. Ones that, in our experience, too few people have seen. Uh, maybe some that you've only heard of or you saw it when it came out and you need to know whether or not it's worth uh, checking out again. Did it hold the, the test of time? And we review these movies and we deliver to you, the listener, our take on whether or not uh, they're worth dusting off and, and going and checking out. So in this, the 14th episode of the series, uh, we reviewed the movie Kung Fu Hustle. Oh my god. Jackson has literally not stopped laughing <laughs> since can't. we turned the movie off. It's a borderline giggle. <laughs> He's got a severe case of the giggle fits. Uh, yeah, so this movie... Stephen Chow movie. Stephen Chow, motherfucker. Like, that yeah. dude. All right, I'm just going to hit you with some IMDb specs so we can jump into, like, really getting on this movie. Uh, Kung Fu Hustle came out in 2004, rated R. Super deserves that rated R rating. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. uh, one hour and 39 minutes. Respectable runtime. Like, mm -hmm. that's a that's a good, you can pop it in and, and get it done quickly. Yeah. This is not Ben-Hur. Yeah. Let's see. Genres. We've got action, comedy, fantasy. Um, heavy on the comedy, but Very. I would agree with both of those. Heavy on the action. Fantasy is, it, it, it was fantastic, that's for sure. Yeah, I feel like... Fantasy is a weird word to use. I think some people, some people classify kung fu as its own like genre of film. This movie is one hundred percent kung fu, like From start to finish. Like yeah, it's a comedy. It super is, and it's it's so it's not as serious as say like Crouching Tiger, or Hidden Dragon, or or Crouching Tiger or Hidden Dragon or hit either yeah. one. I mean, yeah. it doesn't matter whether you know it's it's hiding or it's crouching or or it's a hippopotamus. Mm. It's you know squatting hippopotamus, the hippopotamus, the hippopotamus. Hi no, I, I would argue that that the the term fantasy in this though, it, this isn't like a like a mm, like a hard kung fu movie, you know, like like the raid or something like that. You know, this is very fantastical. You know, in, like Crouching Tiger, but like yeah, it's, Hidden Dragon, but but it's it's a comedic, very much. It, it, so that's kind of I think. What that genre being added, fantasy, I think that's why it's added is the Kung Fu is very fantastical. Whereas, like, for example, in The Raid or in, in The Game of Death or something like that, or like, more... yeah, it's it's really visceral. Yeah, this and it's happening, and it's realistic. 
in this movie, it is anything but realistic. Uh, so I think that's kind of where that fantasy comes from. I don't know if I would say that to somebody on the street. I would probably say action comedy sci uh, not sci-fi, uh, action comedy kung fu. Yeah, comedy fu. Comedy fu. Comedy fu. <laughs> that's actually good. Com- there are, kung fu. There are other movies like this. You know, think uh, like Shaolin Soccer or, or something or kung like that. Pao. Yeah, yeah, that are, you know... What was the term you you just comedy used? foo comedy foo com foo com foo com foo com foo. Uh, okay, so trademark. <laughs> TM. <laughs> All right, IMDb has the description of this movie as in Shanghai, China, in the 1940s, a wannabe gangster aspires to join the notorious Axe Gang, while residents of a housing complex exhibit extraordinary powers in defending their turf. Yep. I feel, I feel like. He's that, still giggling over that, there. I feel like that gets about half of it. Yeah. I don't I don't know if that is the best description of this movie. Oh, wait, I, I don't know. Do we want to substitute our own description yet or wait till spoilers? I don't know. I'm trying to think if there's anything. Is there anything that we can, like, toss in there to give it a little bit more to the, the listeners but not give anything away? Okay. It's like a collection of fantastical battles with these masters. I don't know the kung fu masters. Yeah, how do you, how do you talk about this without giving it away? That 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 is pretty tough. But like, um, it's just it's a series of fantastical kung fu battles with like a narrative that sort of like stitches it all together. It's it's not heavy on the narrative. It's it's the narrative isn't isn't like wildly complex, not but it's fatal. it's enjoyable and it takes you through the film beautifully. Yeah, I think this movie, like in terms of element versus narrative, is maybe like slightly heavier on the element part. You know, 60-40 in favor of, like, the elements make the movie, the narrative is, while important and it it, it drags you along, isn't what makes it. Yeah, it's it's backseat to the action slash comedy. The kung fu. (laughs) The delightful hijinks. We need to start spoiling this movie. Okay, okay, okay. Jumping back in. We got, uh, this movie is directed by Stephen Chow. Stephen Chow is fucking amazing. In every, He's absolutely brilliant. Everything he does. He also wrote this. I, I should mention and start in it. Stephen Chow, if you've seen anything by him, you know exactly his type of kung fu. Yeah. That's what he does. That's absolutely. his thing. And he fucking kills it. And this movie is actually probably his best known example. Mm-hmm. So as far as Stephen Chow films, we do have a few more on the docket like Shaolin Soccer. But this is probably his his highest profile film. And, and it deserves to be because the, the movie's amazing. Yeah. Uh, so Stephen Chow, like I said, directed, wrote the movie, and stars in it. Who else we got in this movie? Um, not a lot of faces that people are going to recognize, really, unless you are also familiar with Stephen Chow's other work. Um, I noticed that uh, we had um, Zhejiang Lam. He played, I guess, the character Bone. Uh, I didn't recognize that as being that character's name in this movie. They don't really reference him too much. But if you're familiar with other Stephen Chow movies, you'll likely recognize his face. He played the goalie in Shaolin Soccer. You know, he, that was a face that, that, that jumped out to me. How about you guys? Um, Shao Gong Feng was, uh, was the crocodile gang boss in this, in this movie, which, uh, again, not super important. You see him for about 10 seconds, but he was a stuntman in various other kung fu movies, um, mainly throughout the 80s and 90s. And uh, Hua Yen in this movie plays a landlord. Um, he was also in, like, The Way of the Dragon, handful of other... Uh, he was in Australia, um, which is interesting. Yeah, he, you'd probably know his face, but maybe not his name. So, yeah, this movie, in typical Stephen Chow fashion, a lot of faces you might know, or some faces you might know, but, but not a lot of names, not a lot of big people, which, I don't know, I find in a lot of films helps helps keep me in the in the Grounded. movie yeah it helps with the immersion it's not like oh stan lee's in this movie mm-hmm. <laughs> which i do love i mean i love right. seeing stan lee stan lee's a delight but you know it does like it takes you out and you're like oh i'm watching a movie yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay so would we recommend this movie i would definitely <laughs> recommend this movie i have been laughing and crying and trying not to snot ever since we turned on this movie it is fantastic he's been snotting it's all true. over my basement it's true there was no hesitation nope no not at all uh me yeah absolutely 100 <laughs> percent. i don't know who i wouldn't recommend this to you know uh, i'm sorry <laughs> he's laying down now he has to lay down it's that good people Colin, I don't suspect you would recommend this. No, it's terrible. I hate it. Uh, no, I fucking love this movie. I recommend it to most people. 
the the handful of people I would like maybe pull the pull the reins on. Um, if you're if you don't do subtitles, maybe don't do this movie. If you don't, I don't know. Even though, even if you turn the subtitles off, like. It's true. It's still funny. <laughs> yeah, the physical comedy. It might it might hold up even with the subtitles off. That's that's accurate. Maybe we should uh, just fire it back up again and try it. <laughs> Round two. But right. if, but if you have like a a serious aversion to subtitles, this movie is subtitled. So fair warning. Also, I feel like I wouldn't recommend this movie to someone like my mom. I feel like my mom and like I don't know. I feel like she wouldn't get it. I don't think my wife would appreciate it for very long. She she would get sort of the physical comedy and then get bored. But any of, well, any of my guy friends and a bunch of other, you know, some of my coworkers, if we were to sit down and watch this movie, I would have to restrain myself <laughs> or put duct tape over my mouth to keep from laughing through the whole thing. Yeah, I would say at least like 80 to 90% of the people I come in contact with daily I would recommend this movie too. Yeah, definitely better in a group too, so that you can just kind of like oh, absorb yeah. that, like yeah. you know, the the group, you know, laughter because it's just it's that's just a that real good. thing. Like there are some movies that you watch alone, and some movies you watch in a group. And while I think this movie would be fine alone in a group, definitely enhances it. So, hintity hint hint. Yeah. Okay, so we got three wrecks on this movie. Everybody recommends it. Are we are we ready to? One day we'll have a budget. One day. Okay, so, uh, yeah, stop here if you do not want spoilers because we just went up a brand. Okay, we gotta jump. We gotta spoil the shit out of this movie. Okay, I think with this movie, similar to Rain Over Me, a full narrative is gonna be difficult. Maybe for different reasons than Rain Over Me was. I feel like we could run through it though. Like, like Mm -hmm. I just think it's gonna go quicker. Yeah, because there's not a ton of narrative to latch onto in this movie. So Stephen Chow, I think, is our, I guess, the closest thing we have to a protagonist. I mean, you could you could solidly call him the. Oh, he's definitely the protagonist. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, he's not in every scene, (laughs) but uh, basically, he's a he's a guy who's been kind of pushed around his whole life uh he had a brief spurt as a child where he wanted to be a hero and he wanted to to, to save this this young girl and well he ends up getting pushed over and urinated on so mm. he decides he's going to be one of the bad he gets guys. pretty savagely beaten yeah, yeah. In, in like 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 seven ten kids like definitely kicking the shit out of him Just because like he straight up gang initiation yeah yeah kicking and peeing like tried to because he tried to stop them from taking a lollipop from a child and then they beat him up. Literally, he him. tried to prevent them from stealing candy from a baby. Yep, yep. The takeaway for him was that he never wanted to be the good guy again. Because good guys finish last. Yep. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, anyway, so as I sort of like alluded to earlier, a lot of this movie is subverting your expectations. Most of the Kung Fu Masters... Uh, in this movie just kind of like emerge from a crowd of people and you don't see it coming and then suddenly they're this like fantastical warrior who can you know think like airbending from you know the last airbender or something like that where they're they're flying they're they're doing all sorts of fantastical feats yeah so basically this movie opens on like the police station and you just see a police officer just getting like his shit rocked and it turns out he's getting a shit rock by like a dude in kind of plain clothes, and the the guy in plain clothes is, is sort of he's kind of having a, a monologue about how he's the gang boss and the police can't fuck with them, blah blah blah. You can't arrest my girlfriend, and he kind of walks out of there, and all the police are scared of him, and and he's the the head of the crocodile gang, and he walks out into the street, and then like shit starts to go down you know, wind starts rolling in from down the street and you know something's going to happen and all the cops close the doors and it's him and like six or seven people and this other gang rolls up like gangs of New York style down every alley and sort of pin them. It's like seven people on like, yeah, probably 300, 400 uh, down every road. Hear the boots hitting the pavement. Yeah, and... They end up killing him. They end up killing his, his, it's like the people he's with and his girlfriend and all that stuff. And then that sort of establishes that the Axe Gang, which was the gang that showed up, is now the only power in this 
area. Should say they're they're called the Axe Gang. Number one because they wield axes, and two because they have giant axes tattooed across their titty place. Mm. So titty place. place. uh, That's that's a that's a medical term. Yes. Yeah. That you learn that in Gross Anatomy. Yeah. 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 So (laughs) here is uh, the Axe Gang, and they're they're rolling hot and heavy, and it's there's a sort of brief. Uh, what would you call that when there's like just text on the screen, just like a, a explanatory text, whatever. Yeah, basically a, just a cutaway. Yeah, that says, okay, so the Axe Gang is in these big cities and they're doing their thing, but they don't really care about the small... The villages. The villages, the the places that, yeah. you know, nobody's really in or, or has a lot of money. And it cuts to this place called Pigsty. And in this town, it's very much owned operated and run and i mean run by the landlady uh, who is also married to the landlord but he doesn't really do much it's it's the landlady who is calling the shots and they are they're mean or she's mean but, but like caring mean but fair yeah exactly yeah. she's not she's not uh, the trunchbull she's more robocop yeah Maybe, yeah. Like, uh, shoving people around. A little rough around the edges, perhaps. A lot of slipper slapping. She she pretty much takes her slipper off and slaps anybody oh, that sh- gets in her way and just rocks their shit. She wields hilarious. a chancla like fucking Bruce Lee wielded nunchucks. Yes. She is severe with the chancla. Uh, okay, so we've got... Uh, we're back in pigsty. Stephen Chow's character and his sidekick, who is a larger fellow, a bit rotund, uh, and also not very bright and not very mean. He's 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 a pleasant, doughy fellow, um, like a Lenny. I wouldn't. Yeah. I yeah, a little a little like a Lenny. I I tell he, me about the rabbits, George. And that is kind of their relationship, sort of. You know, he's like you know he's loud Actually, and he's small, yeah. and he shoves him around. And then his... his he's the brother, idea man. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's Stephen, Ch- Stephen Chow is, yeah. Yeah, and then uh, his brother, I believe, or his... No, I think it's just his buddy. Yeah, his buddy. You know, he's just large and, like you said, doughy, and he's he's actually full of insightful wisdom when, like, you actually ask him, <laughs> like, a real question. But, like, he, you know, he I think he wears overalls for most of the movie with falls no shirt. falls asleep all, all the time. All the time. Yeah. No, there... <laughs> the dynamic is, like... You can spot it a mile away. It is totally like Lenny and George. I, I, I really didn't put that together, but yeah, you're totally right. So they roll into this town, the two of them, and they basically pretend that they're in the Axe Gang. And through a series of... of slipper say, slaps. Slipper slaps, hijinks, whatever, they end up involving the real Axe Gang who gets pissed off at this town and ends up trying to... Uh, kind of take it over and and yada yada. Slight <clears throat> murdery vibe, which I mean you could expect from hundreds of people wielding axes. Well, what what happens is they they go in, they get this haircut, and then they try to like. When I say they, I mean the 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 two protagonists, or you know Stephen Chow and his and his comrade. Um, Kung Fu Red. Yeah. And they, they Kung Fu Red, yes. Kung Fu Red, yeah. They, they try to shake down the barber, and the barber's like, I'm not scared of you. Like, I don't care. Like, <laughs> Also, I'm not sure if it's worth mentioning, but the guy that plays the barber has his ass hanging out literally the entire movie. It's, it's a good ass. I mean, it's, 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 it's solid. He's not, he's not lacking in that area. No. Not a lot of hair either. No. No. That's impressive. Pretty much yeah. nobody in this movie had a whole lot of hair. Okay, they, they go to shake him down. Uh, Barber's not having it. And like you said, they involve them, um, but they they kind of pull them into it. because Maybe maybe the, the relax game was just walking by at the time. Yeah. You know, and he like throws a firecracker behind him when he's trying to like threaten this barber. To like call for help, to like call for backup. He like, th- he, like lights his firecracker and then throws it behind this uh, wall and it ends up blowing up the hat of one of the real Axe Gang leaders. Yeah, like the real Axe Gang, they walk into the alleyway or the, the town more or less. It's never really like established so much, I guess. Um, and they end up getting their ass handed to them by these three... Wait, the leader gets like smacked like across the alley. Nobody sees what happened or mm-hmm. who did it. And he ends up like dying, like it breaks his back. 
And then the rest of the Axe gang, like, shows up the next day, and they basically try to, like, stiff arm or strong arm the town into telling them who did that. Yeah. And they end up, like, pouring kerosene on this, like, woman and child, and, like, they're about to light it to, like... And get people and, to talk and it's all in slow-mo which just adds the drama and it's actually a pretty severe it's, scene it's pretty brutal. <laughs> i thought it was gonna end really badly yeah uh but they, so he like throws a lighter to like burn these people alive and this dude comes out of nowhere and catches it and it turns out that there was like a kung fu master hidden amongst these like regular village folk and He's like, it was me, and then they all attack, and he, like, starts kicking the shit out of people. He's like a one-man army. And during this fray, two more of the villagers get dragged into the fray, and it turns out that they are also Kung Fu Masters. And the three Kung Fu Masters that emerge from this fight are... Twelve Kicks. Twelve Kicks, who is fucking, like, a very ripped... Super jacked. Yeah. Good-looking guy, too. Yeah. And kicks are his thing, as you yeah, might imagine. He's by a kicker. He's a kicker. Uh, who else we got? Iron Fist. Iron Fists. Uh, Mark, I think you got to roll with this. Oh, man. Iron Fist. So, <laughs> Where to begin? <laughs> so the guy is, he works at like a laundromat, he's right? A he's a tailor. He's, he's a tailor, yeah. And he's he's very flamboyant. We're talking red panties, you know, <laughs> sheer shorts. Every time he goes anywhere, he throws his hands in the air and he's just, he's crying. He, 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 he cries a, a lot. He's a caricature. Yeah. He, he's he's basically like a, a gay caricature. Straight up badass, though, you know, once you get him moving. And then we had, was it Hexagon Staff? Yes. <laughs> who, he's got staffs. Yeah, who was a, uh, uh, a noodle specialist. He was a kanji man. <laughs> yeah, so he used the staff predominantly. Oh, oh, oh we should mention that uh, Iron Fist's uh, what he did is basically, like, he would have, like, it was, like, 12 rings or so on, on each arm. Pulled off of a curtain rod. Pulled off yep. of a curtain rod. They're basically curtain rings, yep. but they were, you know, solid steel, and they would fit on his forearms, and he used that to, like... Uh, Block axe blows. Yeah, and give knock people good wallops. Yep. Uh, I feel like a wallop is a good way of describing how solid... he, how he hit. Yeah. He's a walloper. He was a walloper. He was definitely a walloper. Uh, so you got these three uh, mofos in this town. They kick the shit out of the Axe Gang, and the Axe Gang goes running. Like all three hundred of them. Like they, yeah, they don't. You know, there's no joking around. The Axe Gang when they come back, you know that that first time, um, they bring their entire army with them, and you think that like you know this is them turning it up to eleven, and the three guys just waste them all. Yeah, and it like it's at that point I feel like. That it's very evident that this is a fucking kung fu movie. Mm-hmm. Like this is not. This, this is, is not no a joke. No, this is not a comedy that's like masquerading as a as a kung fu movie. This is a fucking kung fu movie that also happens to be a comedy. Yeah, there were legitimate stunts. It was it was it was impressive to watch. Yeah, yeah, it was a mastery. Oh, totally. So, um, the Axe Gang having their asses handed to them retreat, and they decide uh, they need to hire some assassins some top killers top killers and they meet with these two blind dudes and it turns out that they are pretty it's pretty fucking cool it's it's amazing uh so they they hire these killers the killers come after the village actually they come after specifically these three members of the village and what they do is basically okay it's difficult I, to describe. I, I, I'm trying to. I'm trying to remember what that in, instrument is called. It's not a sitar, but it's similar. It, yeah, it's like it's yeah. basically like a sitar that's like like a six flat. foot long stringed instrument. Yeah, that that lays flat that you pluck, and I, I believe there are, are situations where you can play it with uh, some type of percussion. Yeah. Um. But but if you if you heard it, you would know it. This is basically the instrument that makes the music in every Chinese buffet. In the history of forever, golden coin. So that that's where your that's where your mind should go, right? That's the instrument, and they play this thing, and they just kind of like they play it, and it's really cool, and they flick their hands, and like 
shit just like it's weird. Mm-hmm. It's like they're like phantom blades that like yes, knives and that's ghosts exactly and it. fists. Oh, but, and... the, but the scene before you see the blades, yeah. you know, oh. uh, one of the one of the three guys, twelve kicks, twelve kicks, twelve kicks. Poor you know, kicks. He, well now he's six kicks. Rest in uh, he's, he's <laughs> fractions. It's fractions. Yeah, he's walking down this alleyway, <laughs> and you see one of these assassins like way behind him with his, um, you know, we'll call him, we'll call it just his instrument or whatever, and. As he's walking away, you just kind of see, like, in the shadows, like, things behind him getting, like, sliced in half. Including like, a cat, which was kind of sad. Yeah. Well, it, and the, the way that they did the cat scene, you see this cat just, like, jumping off screen, you know? And then you see the shadow of the cat separate into two two half cats. And then you see a blood splatter, which was pretty artful, I have to say. God, it's, the movie is shot so well. It really like, is. Like, in that scene in particular, I think is probably... The best shot scene in the movie. Oh, I mean, yeah. it's yeah. it's so fucking artful. And the guy, so there's two guys, and one of them is is blind. Mm-hmm. And I think it was the guy that was blind that was actually like attacking him in this scene. And it's so cool because like when when things would cut in half right before that, the the music would crescendo. He'd be like, and then like the, that little inflection. And then, like, a second or two later, something would cut in half. Mm-hmm. And then he would do it again, and again, and again, and... and it just decapitates the guy. Yeah, yeah basically. kicks, turns, and then you just see his shadow separate like into two parts. Kind of like the cat. Yeah, it's pretty It's pretty brutal, but also really artful, artful and, and well done. And, like, it really illustrates the point. You're like, oh, these guys are no fucking joke. Music mm-hmm. is powerful, man. Oh, yeah. So then the next mm-hmm. dude goes into uh, is Iron Fist. Iron, uh, yeah, Iron Fist. Iron Fist's uh, shop and starts to, like, pretend that he's interested in the fabric and all this bullshit. And then he attacks him, like, physically this time, not with an instrument. Fingernails. And- Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah, like, crazy long fingernails. This is the non-blind guy, so they're really going at it, and they're fighting, and uh, I think Iron Fist could have taken him, but the guy, like, intentionally drags him out into the street, and then they end up, like, playing the, the instrument, and they shatter his rings uh, with... That's when you start to see the blades, yeah. um, and it, they do it so well because they slow the scene down, and it, like, it pulses. It's like a heartbeat, and, like... They do this, and you kind of see where, like, the cut or the the music is going because the dust sort of moves, and then it'll pulse, and you'll see a blade, like, moving through the air, and then it'll fade away, and then you'll it'll pulse again, and you'll see it again, and it's just moving towards the person, and... Like, um, the, like the sound waves themselves were what was cutting yeah. what was in front of yeah. them. Yeah, and, and it's, it's beautiful because Iron Fist uses these curtain rings to just deflect blade after blade, and he's dodging and jumping off of them and just doing some crazy kung fu shit. And eventually, like like Colin said, he, you know, he loses the curtain rings, and he's kind of like, oh shit, things are starting to go sideways. And that's when we see the hexagon staff again. He just kind of pops out of nowhere and saves Iron Fist's life. Yeah, but not before Iron Fist took, like, so they don't just send blades. They can send fists, too, with the instrument. And Iron Fist took, like, three of them to the fucking chest. And so he was sort of out of the fight at this point when Hexagon Staff showed up and saved his ass right before he died. Then Hexagon Staff started attacking him. And they were really taking him to task as well. Uh, he was doing well there for a minute. For a minute. Yeah. And then they, they ended up uh, fucking him up. And so those two really got messed up. And right before these guys finished him off... Uh, the landlady. The scream queen. The landlady comes out and she starts rocking some shit. And she does what is known the as the lion's, lion's roar. roar. Yeah, every time they like mention that, it's like, oh, have you ever heard of it? Like, it's it's like this like, uh, it's like a know, myth, like this, yeah, this mythic you know legendary move that like everyone's like familiar with, but like uh, what we see is just her like screaming really loud and like tearing shit apart, you know, blowing out <laughs> windows, knocking over buildings. <laughs> like it was this technique that like no one could master, and they were like they all recognized what it was. But it is basically the Iron Lotus. It's fantastic. <laughs> oh, I swear to God, if you cut my head off, <laughs> <laughs> it is the the Iron Lotus of this movie. Uh, anybody, any fans of Blades of Glory will oh, be yeah. picking up what I'm putting down. <laughs> uh, okay, so she does the lion's roar, roar and just like 
fucks up these two. Uh, Annihilates them. Oh yeah, just like it, it. Basically, she like <laughs> she sucks in air and then blows it out in a scream, and it just like it's basically just this directed cacophony that just shreds everything in its path well it's like have you ever like used or played with one of the like the air cannons that's exactly it yeah Yeah. where where you pull back the the elastic you know i don't know parachute sort of and you let it go and it shoots like a shot out and then like you know you can feel it on the other side of the room it's like that times i don't know a bajigillion my favorite at least six my favorite part the first time she uses the iron the lion's roar she has a cigarette in her mouth and she draws in all this air and it just burns through the entire cigarette in like half a second and then she just lets it all out such a good scene uh we should also mention (laughs) that before just before she let out the lion's roar her husband, the landlord, who has literally, to this point in the movie, only gotten his ass kicked by his wife. That is his whole role, <laughs> is just like, literally, he's this borderline pervy guy who walks around and, like, pinches people on the ass and stares and pokes and Yeah, and, like, and... waits outside the lady's restroom, and, and he's, he's a little creepy, but, like, his, and then his, just, his wife beats the shit out of him, and he just sort of takes it, and... Yeah, it's pretty amazing to to, to watch this <laughs> this interaction. But uh, right before she lets out the lion roar during this fight, he shows up and basically like beats the shit out of these guys before she gets there. Yeah. And and, and he it's just amazing. Soaks, he soaks up the blows like a rubber man. He just he just keeps taking hits like Homer Simpson in a boxing match and. He's just, like, soaking up these blows and turning them around on them. And he's kind of, like, dancing around them. Yeah. Which is amazing. Like, very much dance fighting. He's he's wiggling. He's, put, <laughs> he's, he's, he's putting his best foot forward. Like a hula hoop. So, yeah, basically, the two of them together, it turns out they are, like, super kung fu masters. So the other three that were in this village, they were, like amazed that these two people that they thought were like a legend were actually living there as well and they were the landlord the landlady so for a second time this village sends the axe gang packing and the axe gang has but one option left the beast the beast so the beast is referenced earlier on when these two blind assassins were kind of talking with the axe gang and they're like you know so you guys are like the best killers you know in the world he's like well there's we're we're the second best you know there, there's one person better this is the beast so he's just kind of like just foreshadowed there you know and they said he studied kung fu so long that he went crazy and is now in an asylum yeah, makes Which, sense. Which, if you're going to study Kung Fu, that's the way to do it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, go big or go home. Yeah. I mean, this is, come on, this is an amateur hour. Right? Study your fucking Kung Fu. Yeah, lazy. Especially <laughs> if you're going up against the lion's roar. I know, right? Yeah. you got to be so, prepared. Axe Gang, they they need to break this guy out of out of uh, prison, essentially, or the, the asylum. And so what they end up doing is they, they end up hiring Stephen Chow's character because he's always wanted to be a bad guy. Uh, so, like, they, like they, they find him on the street, and they, like, rope him in. He's like, all right, you're one of the Axe Gang now. And the guy's like, really? Really? All right, now here's your first job. Break this guy out. And they, like, the scene where they're, you know, they're, they lead him to the asylum, and, uh, like, they cut out the fence, and they, they shove him out almost into this parking lot. The, the camera kind of pans up, and it's looking up at the asylum, and there's this, like, weird random vortex spinning around above <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the asylum, just all doom, you know. And he, like, he looks back, you know, you know are you guys coming? He's like, no, we're, we're the lookouts, you know. So they just send him in alone. With a um, bag of tools and nothing else. A substantial bag of tools, yes. too. Like, it's, like, he's got, like, a goddamn burlap sack full of tools. It's like a rucksack yeah. full of breakout tools. Yeah, which immediately gets stolen from him upon entering. <laughs> <laughs> this, like, huge hairy arm just, like, reaches out from one of the cells and, like, grabs it and, like, pulls it in. And he just, all right, and he just keeps moving. <laughs> like, honestly, there were a lot of great sound effects in this movie, but... I think the most appropriate one that they didn't use was in that scene. It could have just been womp womp. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or a yoink. Yeah. So, um... He basically fumbles his way through this asylum and he he ends up at the bottom of the staircase looking down a long hallway that is covered in frogs. Just randomly. And out of nowhere... A Shining style, not even a Shining style, it is a direct homage to The Shining. The door opens in slow motion, 
and an ocean of blood starts pouring out of this and rushing down the hallway. You know, I was impressed because the blood flow was just like it was in The Shining. It was like, perfect. Exactly like it came from the same angle. It splashed in the same fashion up against the sides of the walls and rolled down the <laughs> it hallways. Was beautiful. So he like kind of blinks, and then it's all gone. And he walks up, and he opens the door, and there's this... Very old, very disheveled looking man. In flip flops. In flip flops, <laughs> sitting on a toilet, reading, reading a, a paper. paper. <laughs> uh, as you can imagine, that's definitely the beast. So <laughs> they take him back to the Axe Gang headquarters, and they're sitting there. They're kind of deciding whether he's the beast or not. And he basically says to them, like, I wasn't locked up. I decided to be there because I've spent my entire life looking for a worthy opponent. And, and I haven't found one. Yet. I haven't found one. So I've just like I've just been chilling, you know, in the asylum. If I felt like there there was a worthy opponent out there, I would have just walked out yep. and found them. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, he was all excited that they may have found him a worthy opponent. Well, yeah, um, you know, he, they they offered him payment, and he's like, I don't I don't need to be paid, basically. Yeah, you know. Like, um, all I want to do is either kill this person or, or people be by or them. be killed by them. <laughs> yep. So, yeah. So, so in that scene, the landlord and landlady are actually there in the... Let's 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 put it this way. The beast ends up demonstrating his kung fu abilities. He actually demonstrates it in a pretty badass way. Should we go over that? Yeah. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, he, uh, he holds a gun up to his own head and he fires it. And then with his other hand, he whips around and he catches the bullet before it hits his hand, you know. And then he has a badass statement. He goes, this is like, in the game of Kung Fu, speed means victory. And then he fucking drops the bullet and you're just like, whoa. You're hired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'd buy that for a dollar. <laughs> so, uh, like like Colin was saying, the uh, the landlord, landlady... Um, they they happen to be in the gang's building at this time. It's it's their headquarters is in like this casino area, um, and they were gonna take the fight to the Axe Gang because they didn't you know they didn't want any more fighting basically at, at their village or, or whatnot. Um, but this the the, the actually the transition is actually pretty good. They go from that conversation with the Beast to confronting the landlord landlady, and you're just like, well, shit, shit's gonna be on here. Um, the beast seems to almost recognize that. He does, totally. Uh, again, kind of like the beast, kind of like the lion's roar and all this shit. Like, it's an excellent way to make what's happening seem special. Basically, a lot of this stuff seems legend or myth or, you know, song-worthy. <laughs> and he guesses that they are, quote, the fated lovers, which are this kung fu duo that have, you know... Which uh, they then introduced themselves as Paris and Helen of Troy. Which yeah, I, yeah. I immediately started laughing. Because they are two elderly Chinese kung fu artists. Helen of Troy. <laughs> one of, yeah, one of whom is smoking nonstop. Like Literally a cigarette. The whole movie. Like I I think if you started holding a note, you would not be out of breath by the time you walked through all of the the seconds of the movie where she didn't have a cigarette in her mouth. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, basically, the Beast and the uh, the Fated Lovers, I guess we can call them, but they're really the landlady and the, the landlord, are sitting across the table from each other, and they basically just agree to fight. And In it's, a very casual way. Yeah. Basically, he says, uh, my job is to kill you or let you kill me. And they're like, yeah, how about it? Yeah, sure, why not? Let's do it. <laughs> like they were agreeing to go golfing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you really got the idea that even though like they were in this like building and they were just like mobsters everywhere, they were the only three in the in the room because they, their 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 kung fu was so great. You know, they were just like gods among men. Yeah, nobody, nobody else, else mattered. Nobody posed a threat, nobody anything. And and actually very early into the fight, it becomes evident that they are no match for the Beast. Yeah. Um, he is, like, every blow that they land, he's basically chuckling at. Like, he's not he's, he's not even moving. Everything that he does to them is extremely severe. And he's, like, basically tossing them around like ragdolls. And the one thing that kind of gets him a tiny bit is the lion's roar, which keep in mind, like like decimated a city block, She's not like two scenes ago. Buildings and <laughs> knocking dozens of people over with this. She roars at him, and he withstands it 
momentarily. It's like a stiff breeze to him. Yeah. <laughs> and he's just like, whoa, haven't seen that one before. Uh, okay. And then he sort of adjusts and just keeps obliterating them. Yeah. yeah. And they kind of come up with this strategy, um, which is pretty smart. Uh, there is a traditional Chinese funeral bell in the middle of the floor there, and she basically cracks the top off of it, and a funeral bell is like, it's very, like, upright, very linear. Um, I'm trying to think think of something that... It's a cone. It's basically a cone, more or less. Kind of, it but it's, it's got straighter sides. Yeah. You know, it's it's a, um, like a thimble. Yeah. Like, a, like an elongated thimble. Mm-hmm. And she kind of cracks the top off it, and he holds it up, and she does the lion's roar through it, and it really, like destroys him yeah, yeah it, it really hits him hard the scream and then like just tears his clothes apart now he still withstands it like it, it knocks him back but, yeah like he gets up you know but if they had gotten another one in and they were ready to, and they were ready to yeah he i think he like jabs at her ego and says like oh you know if you didn't have that you know you yeah nothing so like they set it down for a second and in that moment he kind of turns around and stabs him it seemed like he was yielding Yep. When he was when he said that, and um, yeah, he basically used that moment to clearly a posture of defeat. And then they were like, "Aha, we've bested you!" And then he turns around with two Chinese finger traps and stabs them in the stomach. Yeah. And, and, okay. So let me like just take a quick aside and say like I feel like this is exactly what you were saying earlier. Where you're like. I guess Stephen Chow is the protagonist. <laughs> Where it's like we have gone through this entire narrative almost, We're and not we talking have, about we him. really have not <laughs> talked about him much. Like he is definitely like a chord through this entire fucking thing, but it's he's really just he's sort of a sideshow. He is a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Yeah. So they're about to like wipe out the beast. He ends up stabbing them, and then they end up getting into this like sort of pretzel. It's like yeah. a kung fu pretzel. It's like Chinese twister without the twister mat. Yeah, yeah. They're they're knotted up. Also, quick aside again: if we ever just want to like abandon the podcast thing and open up a, a shop, I think kung fu pretzel. We could probably like put one of those yeah. in every every mall in America. Happen, yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> serve it with the serve it with the the palm of the Buddhist or the Buddhist palm. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That would be one of the knots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they're knotted up, and they're like they're just like this Very standstill. Um, and <laughs> lions roar, nacho cheese. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Mark's crying so hard. The leader of the X game, he's looking at this knot, and he's like, "Man, we're gonna take advantage of this situation." <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what he sounds like. Man, we're gonna do this. You wait. No, he doesn't. He, he does it in Mandarin, but, you know. He doesn't. He doesn't. <laughs> he's got that, like, uh, you know, New Jersey Mandarin accent. Yeah, he's familiar. definitely, like, it is it is the Jersey Mandarin for sure. <laughs> Jersey Mandarin. That'll be one The Jandarin. Of, yeah. We'll sell we'll sell those Kung Fu pretzels and Jandarins. <laughs> Gosh. I would definitely, I would eat a Jandarin. I yeah. could go for a Jandarin right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hankering for a Jandarin. I don't know what that is. We'll I, figure it out. Yeah, it's, it's a that's that's putting the uh, the cart before the horse. There, friend, we got to get the business. Then we figure out what product we sell and what jandarins really mean. Back to the kung fu pretzel. Axe <laughs> <laughs> gang leader is not about to like get his hands dirty. Wait, he's not about. He's not about to do that. Okay. Yeah. Um. So our protagonist. Yes. Yeah. Sure. For lack of a better term. Yeah. He just happens to be in, in the background, as he is for most of the movie. Uh, and the axe leader's like, all right, fine. You know, he, he gets him to come in, and he hands him this, like, you know, club. It's like a table leg. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, oh, no, you hit him. You know, you hit him. You know, and it's like, what, what, what guys? What Have you not been watching this movie? <laughs> what do you go? Best case scenario, scenario, you do nothing. Anyway, he he has this like kind of crisis of character, and he ends up striking the beast instead of the landlord and the landlady. Well, first he strikes the axe the axe gang leader like twice. <laughs> but you don't know if he's doing it on purpose. I think. Oh, he super did it on purpose. But like he plays it off like he really it's 
<laughs> it's very confusing. It is pretty amazing. <laughs> so yeah, so after he strikes the the axe gang leader, he turns around and he hits the beast over the head. Yeah. To which the beast did not respond well. Didn't like it. No. Didn't like it. Pushed uh well, okay, he he gets rid of the landlord landlady, basically walks up on Stephen Chow and just like well, how do we say this? He he punched his head through the ground. Through the ground. But his body stayed parallel to the floor. Um, <laughs> like, you get the idea that he still has a head, but it's just maybe it's 10 feet cave down. Now. Yeah, if his body was at zero, like ground floor is zero, his head was maybe at like negative six. Yeah. Yeah, goes to For the, the first punch. Yeah, right. And then he keeps going <laughs> he keeps and punching. drops him down to like negative 12. A very severe punch. It probably top five funniest parts of the movie is after the first punch the beast says something clever and i can't remember what it was but it's basically equates to do you want some more and steven chow <laughs> grabs this like it's not even a stick it's a twig, it's, like it's, a twig. A twig. <laughs> it's like a shattered piece of the table leg you just see this very frail very shaky hand rise up in the camera frame that's that's focused on the beast's face and he just goes tap. <laughs> just taps him just a little tap just a little boink on the forehead to which the beast responds with a barrage of blows raining down upon <laughs> Chow's head yeah but in that flurry uh he gets distracted somehow how does he get distracted yeah what is the what is the distraction I mean, one way or another, the landlord landlady, they summon like the rest of their strength and they basically escape with Stephen Chow and, you know, they, they, they flee to safety. They bring him back to the village, to pigsty. Yeah, wrap him up like a cocoon. Yeah, they, like, they really. apply traditional Chinese herbs and, and medicines and acupuncture. and acupuncture and basically mummify him. And then they start thinking, they're like, how can he still be alive? Every bone and tendon in his body is broken. Like, how could he, how could he, unless, <gasps> dot, 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 unless, dot, dot, dot. And it becomes evident that he is the chosen one. Neo. Basically Neo. Yeah. And. With Kung Fu to match. He emerges from his cocoon. And basically about the time that the Axe Gang shows up with the Beast. Oh, the, the Beast ends up, dis- like, killing the previous leader of the axe gang and just kind of like takes him over oh it's amazing yeah spins his head you know all exorcist like yeah hits him so hard like punches him so hard across the face that his head turns around like twice and then is on backwards and then he just falls over dead because he's a normal human yeah (laughs) you know he's not a kung fu master yeah It's basically what I would expect to happen to me if I were struck by, say, Mike Tyson. And, you know, if Mike Tyson wasn't punching other boxers, but was punching average folk like myself, I would expect my head to turn around maybe twice. Yeah. Yeah. So in this, you know, in this next Mike Tyson, don't punch me. For the love of God, don't punch me. He's a listener. He is. He's he's a a very dedicated listener. Thank you for your mail, by the way, Tyson. You're 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 a delight. And, and the toe picks. That was nice. You're always welcome. Yeah. The toe picks, don't, especially. Yeah. Don't kill us. Didn't know you had a Morton's toe. No. I'm now burning with curiosity. <laughs> oh my God. Mike Tyson, somebody somebody Google listening. Mike Tyson's feet. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be something in frame. So, okay. Uh, I don't want that in my Google search history, so somebody else <laughs> Google it. <laughs> yeah. Beast and X-Men walk into town and um, really... Really, uh, Stephen Chow walks out and... And he's the one. Yeah. It's he... basically the the scene from the end of The Matrix when Neo is all like, it's me, I'm the one, ba ba ba, stopping bullets. Hello, Mr. Yeah. Anderson. Yeah. He separates the entire Axe gang from their confidence and... And all some of, of their bodies. <laughs> and some yeah. of their body parts. <laughs> yeah. Buries them in ceilings, floors, walls, and everything oh, in great. between. It's great. By stepping... Dude, one of his signature moves is like a foot stomp, where like he like he just flattens their feet into pancakes, and 
Did you ever see Spaceballs when Barf's foot gets crushed by the statue of yogurt? It's that. That's, 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 exactly, that's exactly what, what it looks like. Yeah. <laughs> and it's surprisingly effective. And at one point he did it to like ten guys in a row just lightning fast toe <laughs> It sounded kicks. like a machine gun. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, let's just talk about first the sound effects in this movie oh for the God. punches Priceless. and the kicks. Oh, so good. How about in that final sequence when he's kicking the shit out of people? And it plays the pinball sound. goddamn pinball music here. (laughs) (laughs) So good. So you might have guessed this movie climaxes on a battle between the one, you know, Stephen Chow's character and the Beast. And it's not as long as you might hope. You know, because it, it felt a little bit anticlimactic. I mean, there was a lot of kung fu at this point. So how do you I don't know. I, that was pretty. It, it was, was awesome. It was I mean, I guess we had we had frog people. Yeah, the beast adopts the toad style from from some... Kong Lung or Kong Lung. Wow. Yeah. Okay, I would not have been able to conjure that to memory, yeah. but yes, from a, a very specific That's school of amazing. kung fu, and he like digs his feet into the ground and like uses his head as a battering ram, and it's amazing. Not to mention like he actually bloats his neck out like a fucking toad. It was beautiful. He basically turns his his body into a cannon. <laughs> yeah. Body cannon. That's yeah. New band band name. Patent pending. Yep. If kung fu pretzels. Yes. W- mm. If that mm. doesn't work out. And jandarins. And jand. <laughs> body cannon. If that doesn't work out... Body cannon. Body cannon is body definitely cannon, new our... new name, I call it. <laughs> I like it. Yep. I like it. So, good guys win, you know, ultimately. Yeah, in a pretty solid scene where basically, like, Stephen Chow gets, like, battering rammed up into the stratosphere and then takes an extra little, like, touch push off of a... a <laughs> off of a an eagle. eagle, something like that. Yeah. Floats up and then sees Buddha in the clouds. Of course he does. And then... Comes down like a goddamn meteor, and then does the Buddha palm to flatten the beast. Mm-hmm. Lord, it was amazing. Really, if only the beast had a turtle shell, he might have been able to do something I, about it. I had mentioned that during the movie. Well, yeah. that was his. That was his mistake. Was not studying in the turtle school. Yeah. No. Um. <laughs> <laughs> not the Chewbacca school or the Drac school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So he doesn't end up killing the beast. He sort of ends up like showing the beast his power and the beast just kind of submits and says... He concedes. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he offers to like teach him that move. And that's that's kind of how their their battle ends, really. Yeah. And then Stephen Chow's character ends up opening up a lollipop stand to kind of rekindle a missed connection with the girl who he saved as a child who just happens to be a mute. I don't know how that factors in, but yeah. um, I guess it kind of does in the way that like she probably, she she kind of popped up throughout the movie and I feel like maybe she just would have been like, hey, you're the guy who saved me. Um, like a budgetary thing. They were trying to save money on the script. You know, not, it's as, true. They, awesome. they, not as much ink. They pay by the word I hear. In, yeah. In, yeah. <laughs> this movie basically in short is, it, it is Crouching Tiger meets Dick Tracy meets Gangs of New York meets literally any mel brooks film yes <laughs> that is the most apt description i could think of you'd think that like the the jokes are so corny and so ridiculous but they're they're married with real cinematography that is just cool to like watch and like you can kind of feel the scenes and then you also pair that with like just excellent stunt work the the, the choreography that went into it is also just top notch the movie is just so damn creative i think that's like really my like number one takeaways i cannot fucking handle how creative this movie is like that again just going back to that scene with the fucking blade music mm-hmm. oh my god dude who fucking thinks of that that's so right. cool and like and like okay it's one thing to think about it it's a completely different thing to execute it with like flawless precision and do the cool shit with the shadows and like shoot it in the way that they did fucking brilliant absolutely it makes the comedy even even better you know yeah Yeah. and the comedy itself was very creative and shtick comedy like my absolute i think my favorite scene in the movie i hurt after this scene because i was laughing so fucking hard uh it's a scene where basically after the first time that the axe gang kind of gets their shit rocked with Stephen Chow uh, in tow, he's the reason they got it, got dragged into the fray. He and his buddy are basically going to try to assassinate, let's say, <laughs> uh, the landlady. And they are in this alleyway, and Stephen Chow like decides to throw this knife, 
and there's like a there's like a broad part of the alleyway and then like a narrow part of the alleyway and they're sitting in the broad part so there is a there is a part that sort of like it's like an archway an archway yeah and he throws this knife and it hits the top of the archway arcs back and just like lands in his shoulder and he uh, as you can imagine fucking like he he doesn't even react as much as you think he would and he kind of like sits down and then his he's like here you try it his buddy tries and he throws one and he's like a foot and a half away and he just throws it at like a 45 degree angle directly into his other shoulder yeah and so now steven chow has two knives sticking out of him that his buddy tries for the third just and last night. Get a little bit closer. Get a little bit closer. Just, just try to get closer. You have better aim, you know. And so, like, very, very, like casually, like very, very calmly, he's like, yeah. you know, maybe, maybe you had a better aim if, if you just got a little closer. <laughs> so he walks past him, and then, like, as he's like pulling his hand back to like to know, throw, to throw it, he ends up just stabbing him. You know? <laughs> and then, as he goes to throw it. The handle rips off, so the blade is still in Stephen Chow. Three blades are now in his arms slash shoulders, and he throws the handle down and actually is on target and smacks the (laughs) landlady straight in the forehead. Uh And and this (laughs) this is my quote, and we're just gonna jump right into this because we might as well hear my quote. She so she gets hit in the forehead with a handle, and she just like looks up, you know, and she who's throwing handles. Like, she knows exactly what it is. Like, who's throwing handles? It is actually, like, stuck to her face. Like, <laughs> and, of course, as you can imagine, Stephen Chow's got three knives stuck in him, and he falls down, and then they realize that the landlady has made them. So they need to get out of They need to make a quick getaway. So his buddy tries to throw a cage that is sitting in the alleyway, uh, down the alleyway towards the landlady, and ends up raising it over his head. It opens up, and it's fucking venomous snakes. Poor snakes on his friend. That all land on Steve <laughs> And, of course, they're, they're crawling all over him. And his buddy's like, I hear if you whistle, snakes calm down. And Steve Chow says to him, please, no more bright ideas. <laughs> and then the snakes start to hiss, and, and he goes... Okay, maybe just a little bit. And then he starts to whistle, and he doesn't even get the first note out, and two cobras latch onto both sides of his mouth. So, like, after a hilarious and, and very shtick chase scene, Stephen Chow is, like, basically walking the street with three knives in him and lips that, like, would make a... a Beverly Hills socialite jealous. Like, <laughs> it's an amazing scene. Uh, yeah, no, okay, so anything else on this movie that we got to go over? Do we want to put a bow on this, or is it, you got, One you got something else? One thing I wanted to touch on was the, the score and the soundtrack. We talked about a little bit, you know, how the music was playing into the combat, but beyond that, the, the music for the entire movie uh, matched the mood. So for, for all of the comedic scenes... It was this sort of shtick. They were literally playing the hustle, you know, the the 70s classic, Mm. but with traditional Chinese instruments and slightly discordant, so you could tell it was a very comedic scene. And then in the more serious action sequences, they were playing, you know, like straight out of Crouching Tiger, where it was this dramatic, this, this iconic... Chinese music, where it was like, ooh, I'm supposed to feel something. And then it would cut straight into the hustle again, (laughs) and you knew that it was going to be hilarious. Mm -hmm. It was fantastic, and the music did such a great job of setting the stage for the feel of the scene. I I gotta say, for everything in this movie, I mean, just, like, the acting, like, everybody knew exactly what this movie was about. There was, there was, nobody had any compunctions about exactly how this was gonna play out, and I think that's, like, kind of important, because this is sort of a difficult movie to describe to someone on paper, or even through voice. It's, like, something you just sort of have to experience, because its flavor is different. It's, I mean, it's kung fu. Yeah. Yeah. That's not, you know, that's not a thing that you're used to. Well, Uh, the directing was amazing. The writing was amazing. I mean, it, it's so fucking creative. I can't even handle it. Yeah. Anything we didn't like? Nope. Not no. for me. I mean, it, it being so slapstick, I I don't have a, a critical eye for this movie. No. I mean, I, I think you're right. Like, okay, the CG was silly and, and hastily done, but like it actually added to the comedy. Like yeah. it made it funnier. I would criticize the CG in any other film, but it really worked here. And I honestly... 
Stephen Chow so fucking brilliant. I've got to imagine that that was entire that was totally intentional. I would, yeah, I mm-hmm. was just gonna say that you know the toe smashing in particular, <laughs> the CG of the smashed toes. It's some it's like something you'd see out of Who Framed Roger Rabbit. You know? Yeah, oh, totally. It's, it's like very cartoonish. Just this flat foot that's just kind of pulsing with a heartbeat, <laughs> and and it's very clearly a joke. But at the same time, you can feel the pain of the victims <laughs> from the toe smashing. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so um, I, I got to jump in with my quotes because they they, they tie into some of these great scenes. We talked about how Stephen Chow sort of had like this hope as a child. This kind of homeless guy showed up and told him that he had a great aura and, and he had the bone structure of a kung fu genius and all this stuff. And he sold him a pamphlet on how to do the Buddha palm, which he actually does end up doing eventually. That's his final move for $10, which is like a ton of money. And that's what sort of inspires him to do good. And that's why he intervenes with a girl and all this stuff. And talk about how that scene with the girl being instrumental to his change in, in mood. Anyway, so he's describing this guy giving him the pamphlet and stuff to his uh, hefty comrade. And the guy basically says to him, like, you know, you're you're going to be a kung fu master. You're going to save the world. World peace is yours to create, whatever. And he's describing this to his buddy, and he says, you know, I was saving up to be a doctor or a lawyer, but, I mean, this was world peace. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Oh, I've also got... <laughs> His buddy, like we said, keeps falling asleep constantly, and he says to him, they're describing a plan, he's like, yeah, and try to stay awake, and his buddy's like, I'm sorry, it's tiring being tough. Amazing. And then my final one, which I feel like really captures a lot of this movie, it's simple, but it's repeated like four times by like at least three different groups, and it just just says, we're the bad guys. (laughs) Just, you, to, just to remind everyone. Yeah, this is like, we are the bad guys. And it's that sort of like over-the-top, completely unnecessary explanation of what is going on mm-hmm. that makes the dialogue, you know, it's, again, you know, not it's like, to... It's like slapstick dialogue. Yeah, not to over uh, not to overuse this term, but it's like a, a shtick dialogue of like, you really need to call out that you're the bad guy. You got fucking axes tattooed on your chest and you're all in black and your your teeth are gross like there's no question you're the bad guys we're also like three quarters of the way through the film you don't have to like espouse (laughs) that you're the bad guys we're past soliloquy (laughs) yeah well i had i had a couple of good quotes too um a surprisingly quotable movie for having subtitles the whole way but uh when we first meet the beast and he's sitting there in his in his janky flip-flops reading the newspaper in all his glory in all his glory <laughs> uh he you know he goes back to the to the axe hideout and they're kind of sizing him up and they're like mm, does he look like a top killer does he really fit the bill and um he says you know the the axe boss he says he doesn't look like a top killer to me and uh Stephen chow's character says the slippers are a little crappy, but he'll clean up well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're like also, I don't know what slippers look like in China, but here those would definitely be considered very effeminate slippers. They're like jelly the, prison slippers. Yeah, they're women's yeah. slippers they're like for baby sure. Baby blue, you know. Yeah, jelly's definitely the, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, the, like the jelly <laughs> shoes that kids have. That's the same material these are made out of. Uh, baby blue they, they were robin's funny. egg blue come oh, on oh yeah i'm sorry <laughs> come on mark it's called, it's called fashion look it up <laughs> <laughs> my second quote is uh from the final showdown between the beast and the two masters are paris and helen of troy <laughs> and um you know he he's got them dead to rights. They're in this this kung fu pretzel, and this is when Stephen Chow picks up the the stick from the axe boss, and the axe boss keeps saying, "Hit him, hit him, beat the shit out of him, hit him, beat the shit out of him," and that's when Stephen Chow turns around and whacks the axe boss twice and goes, "You want me to hit him or beat the shit out of him? You're making me very confused." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are we are we ready to put a bow on this? I think so. Are, are we ready to so. are we ready to uh, to rate this bitch? Yeah. All right. Uh, what do we got? 
Uh, I, I'm I'm rolling in with a 9.2 Buddha palm. Oh, nice! <laughs> wow. <laughs> I thoroughly enjoyed that. This that's movie. heavy duty. I, I think that's our first nine of of, of any kind. There nice. Are, there are a few movies that I have cried from laughter, and this is I, I was in tears most of the movie. That's awesome. <laughs> it was amazing. I I don't think I'm gonna go that high. However. I totally respect that score. Like, if somebody, like, gave that to me on the street, they were like, oh, I'd give this movie a 9.2, and then I watched it, I'd be like, oh, I totally get it. Yeah, it's definitely 9.2 uh, Buddha Palms. I will give this movie an 8.4 Lion's Roars. Mm, yes, definitely. I like that. The Lion's Roar has a little bit of oomph to it. So the 8.4, I feel like that, you know, the 9.2 and the, yeah. I've got another rating, uh, another another unit, but mm-hmm. I'm going to let Mark jump in here before I do it so I don't ruin his in case think, it's the same. I think I'm going to go with uh, 8.51s, which adds up. When you add up all 8.51s, you get 8.5 the ones. Oh, yeah. I do. Yeah. So, yeah, 8.51s. So my other my other unit of measurement was going to be red panties. <laughs> which I feel like panties is probably not like the most appropriate... Like, term. Like, it was a dude wearing them. They were probably just, like, r- red undies, like, dude undies. But, like, in the States, like, d- dude undies don't typically have, like, they're not cutting that way. No. But in, like, Europe, that's a thing. Yeah. That's a thing. I haven't seen too many European underwear. Oh, you haven't lived. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's, my God. It's a thing. Yeah? It's a whole thing. We gotta, t- wow. we gotta take him to some of those clubs that we go to. It's true. <laughs> underwear? Yeah. No, I like I like how no, the unit of measurement. No, we were laundromats. Oh, okay. We're just gonna go wow. to the laundry map? You, yeah. What you just you went right to a like a club? Yeah. Alright. Where do you hang out? Not laundromats. Wow. But that's where the action happens. Action You get to see He's everybody. Action Jackson. Like where how do you think he got his name? Where did Okay, Action Jackson explain to him where you got your name. The long and short of it is I really wanted to see everybody's dirty laundry. And what better well, way to do that than at the laundromat? It's yeah, true. Yeah. You get to see everybody's dirty laundry. That's where all of their secrets come out. And that's yeah. where the action is. So I followed the action, thus Action Jackson. Yep. So you were nicknamed Action Jackson because you were this, like, guy who hung out at the laundromat looking at people's underwear? Oh, hell yeah. Wow. That's a whole lot creepier than I thought. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's the whole thing's in the police report. You should read it. It's, it's, oh, it's, it's, it's harrowing. a fun read. Man, when I met you, shook your hand, you introduced yourself as Action Jack. Oh, you thinking, sh- oh, you should not have shaken his hand. I'm yeah. thinking Tom Cruise. If you'd read that police report, you would not have shaken either of those hands. Not Was it the Tom right Cruise. or the left hand? Because one could be worse than oh, the other. Oh, God, I don't remember. Yeah, you should have shaken yeah. the left one. Yeah. Like, if you had to pick one, the left one has seen less action it's true. than the right one. My God. <laughs> It's terrible. I didn't even want to let him in my house, but you insisted, so. Wow. Uh, <laughs> I, I am what you would call action dexterous. <laughs> wow. Uh, you know what? So I appreciate so that. All right, let's uh, wrap this up. Uh, we are ready to Barack and roll Obama. That is all for the All Crep Review. Thank you for listening. If you have any ideas for movies uh, or reviews or you want to send us a burp envelope or whatever. Hot uh, dogs. <laughs> Email us at three, that is the number three, meninabasement at gmail.com. Also, uh, look out for Kung Fu Pretzel coming spring 2020 and Body, Body Cannon, Cannon. Uh, on tour uh, summer 2020. And I think we got a few dates in the fall. You can also find us on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts. And until then, I am Colin McLeod. Mark Alp. Action Jackson. All right. And we will uh, see you in cyberspace. Hiya! <laughs>